explore the far reaches of cinema. Three daring adventurers dive deep into the Criterion and beyond. These are the tales of their adventures. This is Cinenauts! Hey, this is Ian. I'm Boom. This is Catcher. And welcome to Cinenauts Exploring the Criterion. A little later in this episode, we're going on a mission Mm -hmm. to the planet of Cronenberg to discuss The Brood. However, if you listened uh, last week, uh, you'll know that instead of uh, the guests selecting their picks, uh, I actually had selected Enter the Dragon and invited Chuck on. Boom tried correcting that error uh, (laughs) and fixing my hubris and went ahead and went uh, behind closed doors, found out Chuck would have picked a brood. uh, And then we flash invited Chuck on to come back this week. But we even one upped it. We brought the other half of Bat and Spider, Dale underscore A, onto the pod as well. So welcome, Bat and Spider boys, to uh, Synonauts. Hey, it's great to be back. Now it's a party. Yeah. Chuck and I are like Harry Dean Stanton and Yafet Koto at the bottom of the, at the, at the underbelly of the Nostromo, like cleaning up your slop. And that's what I feel like. Super intimidated. But, but an important part of the team. Vital. We introduced Chuck and Bat and Spider last week, but Dale, let's, let's introduce yourself for the, for the Synodot listeners who may not be familiar with the original bad boy of podcasting, as, as they say. Yeah, I'm uh, Dale underscore A, and uh, yeah, I do Bat and Spider with Chuck, and it's been a blessing in my life for the past year because, boy, if I wasn't missing podcasting when before I started it with Chuck, and uh, you know, I, I kind of missed it, but also I need a little kick in the A to uh, you know try to get some editing under my belt and stuff like that. Try to be more creative in that sense because I could really go stir crazy. And uh, I don't use Twitter much anymore, so I needed mm. an outlet, I guess. It is a blessing. It is a blessing. You got- It's a blessing for you guys. It is a blessing for me and everyone else who's a listener of that show. It's such a joy every week to listen to you guys. Thank so. you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, what are you guys covering this week on Bat and Spider? Oh, we're, we're covering, uh, this was Dale's pick this week. We're, covering a movie called Malibu Express from 1985. Dale, do you want to set the scene for this? The episode just came out. It's called Malibu Express. There's this guy, Andy Sedaris, who wrote, produced, and directed it. And he did a slew of those in the 80s and early 90s. And his his mantra was basically uh, boobs, guns, bombs. (laughs) You know, that's like what's going to, the milkshake that's going to bring the boys to the yard, right? So... He went over the top with <laughs> Malibu Express. It's almost like a Chuck said on the podcast. It's a it's an episode of Magnum PI, but instead of an uh, a, a half hour episode of Magnum PI, the other forty five to minutes to ninety minutes is just boob scenes, <laughs> <laughs> basically. Um, it's low budget. Was made for like five hundred grand. About this Texan who lives on a yacht in South, Southern California, and he's like a private eye, and he's he's just okay at his job, he's and good. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's just shootouts, and you know, uh, basically, he's you know a male fantasy 007 kind of thing, and you know, it's kind of right up our alley. It's Andy Sedaris had this vision to do exactly what he set out to do. Um, he he was making no bones about the kind of film he wanted to make, and that was you know, it's 
borderline soft core <laughs> with uh, more guns and more plot. And that's exactly what, what more could you want from a movie? I'm not sure there's anything else. <laughs> honestly <laughs> essentially i mean it's it's gold if that's a, that's what you're looking for it's gold yeah. in that sense right and, and where are you uh in your uh crypt keepers coffin journey oh wow we're on uh season four now um powering through we just did one an episode with the, what's who's in it mimi rogers stars in it um mm. and she she brought her a game to that do you guys have any plans for when because what crypt uh, Tales from the Crypt is what got to be can't be that much more than four seasons. I'm what six? Seven, There's maybe? seven seasons. Um, but in, in between seasons, we're starting to do all the movies that they nice. Mm. So there's <laughs> like two 70s um uh, Tales from the Crypt movies, and then there's the the one in the 90s, which we all know, and then yeah, and then there's um we discovered there was a a, a season of a, a science themed show that they did right after tales ended. So we're going to take that up maybe if, if we want to keep nice. going, we can yeah, keep going like for a, a long time. It's like a direct <laughs> spinoff of tales called tales of perversion. Yeah. And uh, with some of the same producers, it was, it only lasted a season, but it sounds like it's the same thing. An anthology type. Right. Sci-fi yeah. horror. Like sci-fi. Cool. Hosted by a robot or something. Oh. Of the Crypt Keeper. Is it the same yeah. guy? Dale's best friend. Uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> same guy. <laughs> so for the Cynonaut listeners who don't know my friends all bandied together and got me a cameo from John Kassir <laughs> who is the voice of the one and only Crypt Keeper and it's, it was pretty stellar I almost yeah. almost pooped myself when I when I opened that video I was having heart palpitations <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a fun episode if you listen to it, you can hear Dale's real time yeah, reaction like you you bastards <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Um. Awesome. So yeah, go check out Bat and Spider. Uh, before we get to the Brood, let's catch up a little bit. What's one thing folks watched that they uh want to discuss? Who wants to go first? Okay. So I watched a bunch of stuff this week, but uh, since we're being scary today, uh, I'll talk about uh, <laughs> film me and Emma watched uh, on Shutter as per usual, The Dark and the Wicked. Uh, it's relatively like new horror film. I'm just gonna check. Yeah, it's on Shutter. Uh, came out in 2020, and uh, there are like a brother and a sister, and they come back to their like the farm that they grew up on. Their father is like ill. Uh, not sure why he's like in bed, kind of comatose. Uh, and scary stuff immediately starts happening. Uh, I won't get into too much detail. It's pretty fast paced, but a lot of people start dying quick and weird stuff, weird visions and things like that. It was cool. It's you are on the edge of your seat the whole time. And I really enjoyed that part of it. Um, the visuals are really interesting, uh, really scary, but then it ends just sort of abruptly. And I don't need all the answers given to me in a movie, but it just felt like there was, I didn't understand why, like why things were happening what was going on? What what mm. was what was causing it? All of that stuff was just sort of vacant, uh, and that was sort of a letdown. So it's like otherwise really really good, but then sort of leaves you feeling empty, kind of like eating like Taco Bell or something, where it like, feels good <laughs> as you're taking it in, and then right as soon as you're done, you're like, did I even eat yeah. anything? And now I feel like I don't feel good. Yeah, you, know? you feel crappy. <laughs> there's a there's this movie that any of you watch it? I think it came out last year. I think it was called The Turning. It has a Finn Wolfhard from uh, Stranger Things. I feel like I have to. And so this movie, I, I didn't watch it, but I want to because it has like a really awful, awful rating on like any website you go to. Mm-hmm. And 
apparently, from all the reviews I've read, the movie just seems to stop at a certain point. Like, the movie is pretty good, and then they just don't have an ending. So, boom, you laughed. You know what I'm talking about? Or you're just laughing at Finn Wolfhard? No, I'm laughing because it's like <laughs> the one time that Catcher and I hung out during this pandemic. We were with our friend Johnny, and we put that movie on and then just completely yeah. disregarded it and ended up t- talking the whole time and like just... <laughs> We like got 10 minutes in, we're like, this is stupid. And then just, yeah. just gave up. That's right. That's yeah. right. That's right. I was, that's why I remember that. Yeah. Okay. And I was like, I thought, I was like, is this the exact plot of Bly Manor? And it is. It's, it comes from the same, yeah. Oh. Same book. Yeah. And there's like five adaptations of it coming out in like the next like five years or whatever. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I, I kind of want to be a sicko and watch it just because I, I have to know why the ending is so bad. Like, yeah. Every review just completely shreds how it just ended seemingly out of nowhere. So <laughs> very curious about that. Do it. Um, all right, let's go to the Bad Spider Boys. Uh, Dale, what did, what did you watch this week? Uh, also on Shudder, uh, High Five Catcher, uh, I watched a movie, 1971 uh, Jalo movie. I'm on a big Jalo kick the past couple months. Mm. The, mm. the black belly of the tarantula and this basically features a, a serial killer who paralyzes their victims so they're paralyzed while he then mutilates them and luckily it sounds awful but you know for a movie from 1971 it doesn't really show a whole lot which is the saving grace of the movie but it's got <laughs> a lot of it's got a lot of giallo greatest hits actors in it uh, Giancarlo Giannini who's been in other ones Barbara Bruchette, which is in uh, Casino Royale. She's a Bond girl and she's been in a couple of her Jalo movies, but it's it's a fantastic movie. It's very run-of-the-mill um, Jalo, but fantastic pacing and storyline. I find that with all the movies, you kind of your eyes go cross trying to make heads or tails of the plot, but mm-hmm. as long as you're willing to accept that, you know, it's basically pretty amazing it's it involves like a a day spa that maybe is not even on the up and up so there could be people trying to silence people because of that or it could be whatever you whatever you want it to be and then at the very end you get the big reveal so it's Mm. it's pretty great i love um i love i've been deep into shutter i've always subscribed to shutter but Mm -hmm. probably since the new year i've just been head over heels with their older library it's kind of tough to find stuff so luckily I've been finding more curated lists on Shudder, but like Catcher, I do try to catch some of the newer movies that come out on Shudder too and give those a chance. It's a little harder for me to, you know, give a give a give my heart over to a new newer movie, but um, mm. VFW Catcher, yeah. if you haven't watched VFW yet, I'd recommend that. It's pretty good. Uh, I, I met, I think his name is Sam. He was like one of the first like curators of Shudder uh, at a film festival a couple of years ago and he was just like so passionate about well, Shutter. it was like right when shutter started yeah so it's good to hear that they're maintaining their seemingly very you know high standard of curation of, of yeah. movies so mm-hmm. it's cool it's a cool platform too because yeah, they have cool, like yeah. it's similar to letterbox where you can uh so you click on the film uh, that you want to watch they don't have trailers or anything but then there's like comments from people who have watched it and rated it in skulls, which is kind of cool. Yeah, uh, yeah, the skull rating. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is good because a lot of those movies, if you go to like uh, other movie review sites, they're probably going to be rated pretty low. But you want to watch movies 
based on the rating scale of people who are watching on Shutter. You know, want that angle a little bit because a lot of highly rated movies on Shutter probably getting dumped on everywhere else. So yeah, it's cool that they have that. Yeah, yeah, because the Shutter watchers are there to watch exactly what they're those movies. Play yeah, on. right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, and if if you're a fan of Jalo or and if you're a fan of Chuck Forsman. Uh, Chuck actually recently designed a whole bunch of really cool looking skateboards oh, yeah. uh, based yeah. around Giallo movies. So if you search for like the company's called Heroin, right? If you just yeah. search Heroin Giallo skateboard, you can find them at a whole bunch of skate shops. Uh, a lot of the a lot of them are sold out in places. So you might have to dig a little bit, but definitely go check those out. What a fun combination of words to just like put out there into your browser. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <right? laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe go on incognito first. And yeah. that. Uh, all right, boom. What did you watch? Oh my goodness! Honestly, this week's been weird for me. I've been doing a whole lot of, a lot of like tur- like putting things on and then just like immediately losing interest and turning them off. Um, <laughs> the brood later this episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Plot twist. You guys I did just not carry on finish. the back part of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just here to listen and learn. I have no, no input. But anyways, um, yeah, so I'm doing a, the first Sex in the City watch through of my 30s. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've seen Ooh, it. Wow. I've been watching it since I was a teenager. I'm going to save it because I'm like mid season four right now. I'll save it for next week mm. when we have like a little bit more time uh, for it. We can dissect. Um, But yeah, I've never really been watching much. I uh, I watched Skyfall again, which was fun. Really good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I put on Casino Royale with Daniel, like the Daniel Craig one, turned it off. Um <laughs> <laughs> One thing I really have been enjoying is on Disney Plus, they recently put on a Blackish, which I hadn't watched before. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm really enjoying that. It's just like very, you know, t- it's like a typical sitcom, but it kind of has this like educational point of view uh, when it comes. It's mm-hmm. like about a black family. Amazing cast. Uh, Tracy Ellis Ross, who I love. Um, mm-hmm. More so Jennifer Lewis, who plays... Um, mm-hmm. The mom, she's one of my favorite people on this entire planet. I would like follow her off a cliff. I think she's her, her, like, she's just a comedic genius in the way she like delivers lines and just like kind of takes these scenes or like takes these like mundane topics like and brings them to a thousand. Um, so yeah, I've really, I've been really enjoying Blackish. If you don't watch, the series, I will still say you should definitely watch the hair. There's like, a, they do a black hair episode. I think it's like season six, episode 11. Um, and that was really amazing because like the black hair journey is totally a thing. It's like very, can be very um, kind of inspiring and awesome. It can also be very traumatic. Um, mm. So that I think they did a really good job of kind of making it fun, educational, cool. Hmm. So just enjoying some light, easygoing sitcom stuff. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice, nice. Uh, Chuck, how about you? Um, on the sitcom note, Melissa's gotten me watching Golden Girls. Uh, <laughs> which, <laughs> nice. Of course. Which I got to say, like, you know, the it was on all the Sex time. The city. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> when, it, when it was on as as a teen, I always like, I just hated it because it was just like, I don't want to watch this, you know, and it was on all the time. It just annoyed me. But now as 
now pushing 40 it i get the jokes a lot more and uh it, it's it's a it's a real treat to watch i love it betty white is <laughs> seriously mm-hmm. a genius like i know it's said all the time but she her comedic timing is like mm-hmm. impeccable uh and she like you'll see like the rest of the cast like breaking and laughing at the stuff she does and she never <laughs> breaks she's always like in there nice. uh but anyway uh i i did watch i watched a um a western i watched open range from 2003 mm. mm-hmm. uh this is a kevin costner directed movie and it's like if you want to just like put something on that's kind of relaxing and you like looking at prairies and men being filthy and doing things, you know, <laughs> uh, this is a good movie for that. Cause it's just like, it's Costner and Duvall just basically cosplaying as cowboys, like for like two hours. Um, and that's what you're watching and that's what you get. <laughs> I don't think it does anything like super magical, but, uh, it's, uh, it's sort of a good ambiance to be in. Huh. Hard to say no to that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. For me, I watched, uh, I'm going through my Academy Award nominations and I watched this movie, uh, The Father. It's, um, starring Anthony Hopkins and, uh, Olivia Coleman and Rufus Sewell. I mean, I don't think it's going to win any awards and it's going to be lost in like the awards conversation and shuffle, mm-hmm. but it is so good. It's about, um, Olivia Coleman and, uh, is Anthony Hopkins' daughter and Anthony Hopkins is getting dementia. It's about how, you know, he's denying wanting help and how she wants to help him. But the movie, the writing and the editing is so unbelievably good. Like, they really trick you into thinking, like, understanding what someone who has dementia, like, what they're going through. Mm. It's really hard to explain, but the way it's portrayed, it's like, it just seems like someone with dementia, like, this is exactly how they're experiencing it. So you, like, and I've never really seen that in a movie that way. Uh um like i kept thinking it was like a magic trick how they were like editing things together and the way the story was told um definitely definitely recommend it's obviously like a very heavy watch and Mm -hmm. like sad so i mean tough watch especially if you know anyone who has like suffered or suffering from dementia it it would probably be a hard watch but um i i highly highly recommend it it's nice to see i haven't heard of that film i'll definitely check it out um but it's definitely nice to see how filmmakers are like trying to kind of creatively um like dive into these things head on like dementia Mm -hmm. or like sound sound of metal obviously with and there's just like some really cool creative things happening that are Mm -hmm. that kind of like really allow the audience to kind of understand like those experiences obviously like if you don't experience them firsthand, you don't know what the, what it's like. But I don't know. It just seems like that's something that's kind of uh, happening lately a bit more and more. And that's been... Yeah, I mean, more accurately, like if The Sound of Metal had come out like 10 plus years ago, it would have probably been like pretty goofy and I don't think it worked as well as they can now yeah. with what they can do with audio and stuff. So yeah. Totally, mm-hmm. yeah. Agreed. Nice little spread of things everyone watched. Mm-hmm. Golden Girls to... <laughs> to uh, 70s giallo all yeah, over the world. <laughs> so let's talk about the brood. So uh luckily for us, we have two not only big time Cronenberg fans, but Chuck uh 
is a little bit of a Cronenberg historian. Oh, come uh, on. That's it. <laughs> I, not. I own a couple books. That does not this make isn't me too historian. Ian, okay? We're not just all of a sudden experts at things we aren't experts on. Okay. Chuck, Chuck in particular is a very big fan of Cronenberg. Very, very well educated in the Cronenberg uh, universe and in the man himself. Uh, so he graciously is going to uh, take us on our journey uh, to the brood. So before we get to that, let's jump in our time machines. Yes, perfect. <laughs> and jump back, head back to 1979. Chuck, please take it away. Starting this off with a quote from David Cronenberg in from uh, the book Cronenberg on Cronenberg, edited by Chris Rodley. Um, And this is sort of the first thing that's said in the book about uh, the brood. Catharsis is the basis of all art. This is particularly true of horror films because horror is so close to what's primal. We all prepare ourselves for challenges that we can anticipate. It's only when cultural imperatives require that we avoid the discussion of things like death and aging that impulse is suppressed. Humans naturally prepare themselves to meet those kinds of challenges. Certainly aging and death are two of these things. One of the ways man has always done this is through art. The cinema is one way we can do that. We confront things in a relatively safe context. Um, And this is where I start talking. Coming off an acrimonious divorce, Cronenberg set up his typewriter in his unheated house to write a script called The Sensitives wearing gloves with finger with the fingers cut off. <laughs> but the script that would eventually become Scanners got sidelined for a personal and autobiographical story about divorce, family trauma, parenthood, and rage. A story that he would go on to describe as Kramer versus Kramer, but real. Cronenberg said the story bullied its way out of him through the typewriter and onto the page. For him, he had no choice. This script had to come out first, whether he liked it or not. The Brood was shot after Cronenberg's race car movie, uh, certainly an odd duck in his f- filmography, and marked a return to what he was to what he f- was fast becoming known for, body horror, or more specifically, exploring the idea that there is no separation between the body and mind. They are intrinsically linked. The Brood shows this as characters manifest their rage and trauma through physical mutations on their bodies, or in the case of Nola Carveth, played by Samantha Eggers, her rage expresses itself as unborn humanoid creatures that do her bidding violently. Cronenberg went on to cast actors that represented himself and his ex-wife. Even the child in the movie shared the name of his real-life child. David's movie analog, the character Frank Carveth, played by Art Hindle, works as a home builder. Scenes of him walking onto a job site, talking to his crew, seem to shadow David's life as a film director, building a movie with a, a with the same but sort of different sort of crew though the film comes from his very real life experience of uh of his messy divorce and having to essentially kidnap his own child to keep her from uh going to california to live with her mom in a commune uh cronenberg worked very hard to to pull out (laughs) anything that was too close to actual autobiography he insists he resisted putting in lines of dialogue from his real life events to try and pull himself back and look at the story objectively he was after all making a monster movie and a monster movie with maybe the most conventional plot of his career the brute i'm not done yet guys 
Still going. No, keep going. <laughs> keep going, baby. <laughs> <Skull. laughs> the Brood tells its suspense ratcheting story by showing the story of a broken family trying to navigate generational trauma with a very muted and beige color palette that gets split open in <laughs> striking daubs of bright red. Nola has bright red hair. Her daughter Candy wears bright, uh, bright red snowsuit and the killer dwarves, dwarf-like creatures, wear bright, brightly colored suits. These, these colors seem to be gendered uh, in this movie. The red, uh, the red represents Nola's motherhood, anger, power, and dominance, while the dull, muted tones of Frank's world represents his recessive maleness. This picture is a capping of David Cronenberg's early career in, in very low-budget filmmaking and the results of a new tax shelter situation in Canada that had begun to afford Cronenberg more opportunities to make movies through private investment rather than through government grants. And it's perhaps the last that was marketed, the, perhaps the last of his movies that was marketed as horror schlock to play at drive-ins uh, across America. This is, uh, after this, Cronenberg would get larger budgets and would begin to be taken more seriously as an auteur. The end. <laughs> Beautiful. Nice. That's great. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, the plot of The Brood is a man tries to uncover an unconventional psychologist's therapy techniques on his institutionalized wife while a series of brutal attacks committed by a brood of mutant children coincides with the husband's investigation. So since there are five of us on this podcast, uh, I'm going to take a little page out of our friend's 70 millimeters book and uh, rather than sort of try and tap on one part of every part of the movie, uh, I've tasked the fellow synonauts and guest synonauts on today's episode, just choose a couple movies, a couple moments, a couple scenes that they want to discuss. Uh, and then we'll kind of spin off the conversation from there. So uh, I was an ungracious host last week and stole Chuck's uh, <laughs> criterion moment. So I will, uh, I will give up the first slot to Chuck or Dale. Uh, if you want to kick us off here. Uh, Dale, do you mind if I start? Please. I was going to volunteer. Okay. You. Cause my, my first note, I actually picked the opening scene of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. so the opening scene, it, it opens up at this Institute that, uh, mm. Oliver, what's his name? Reed. Why can't I remember his Randall or something? Oliver, uh, yeah. Dr. Randall, but the actor, Oliver Reed, Oliver Reed. Oh. Um, he's holding like he's on stage at his Institute, holding a, a role-playing therapy session with one of his patients named Michael. Um, and it's, to me, it's, it's the most brutal scene in the movie and it's sort of, mm-hmm. it, it kind of slaps you in the face it's like all right we're watching a, a movie pay attention um and you're you're watching this doctor who you know it, it's definitely cronenberg definitely had some uh, uh ideas about you know this type of therapy <laughs> mm-hmm. i think he wasn't a fan <laughs> um yeah but uh but yeah he's like role-playing as this guy's dad and like belittling him calling him he's you know saying he should have been born a girl and it's just this breakdown but what's even more horrifying is it's in a room full of people watching um mm-hmm. like it's like it's like an amphitheater s- session yeah um yeah and I, I i thought that was like a really strong opening to to sort of uh you know it's shocking and it it, it kind of sets up the the doctor psychology aspect of this movie yeah i, I thought it was actually a play at first yeah like, I, I wasn't oh, yeah. aware yeah me too you guys all can knock your head yeah yeah i just wanted to like oliver reed i saw i've seen oliver reed in the late fifties and early sixties and hammer films and then yeah. jump to this. <laughs> and then I have, I, you know, I see Oliver Reed in gladiator as the, like the, the yeah. animal, the, the small time, 
uh, Coliseum, <laughs> mini Coliseum guy. But I mean, I was ready to give Oliver Reed an award in this just because the, the, <laughs> the, the monologue and the way he was able to push in these therapy sessions, man, was just mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, it was weighing down on me. Yeah. And like the way he would switch between like his perspectives. Yes. Like who he was playing was really cool. And I, I think the most interesting part is that you're not really sure if he's like being a bad guy right. or if he honestly thinks he is doing something right. good. Mm-hmm. Boom, it looks like you boom, you had a you had a quick you had a visceral response to my oh, no. thoughts on that. <laughs> no, no, no. I I don't know. He was he was interesting to try and figure out i think he genuinely thought he was like doing god's work for sure Mm -hmm. um and then you know once things got out of hand he obviously kind of took a few steps back um (laughs) (laughs) i was like oh maybe i should think about thank god yeah Yeah. (laughs) you should have thought about this like weeks ago dude yeah Yeah. it is an interesting story of switch at the end where he all of a sudden he does sort of become sympathetic like after Mm -hmm. you spend the whole movie kind of hating whatever he's doing yeah agree that's interesting though chuck like in your opening thing you talked like i didn't know why they had gotten divorced so now that you mentioned that it was like a whole cult thing like him being this sort of like guru-esque character like character with this sort of commune thing where it's like secluded and away from everyone like Mm -hmm. really puts that in perspective because i was trying to figure out because obviously he does do the switch at the end but he is sort of like the the villain of the film. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, what does, what does this, who is this guy, especially in the context of like a divorce? I knew that part. So I was like, well, how does this guy's character sort of play into that story? And I figured he must have been people who were sort of like getting in between them as a couple and maybe trying to like get her to divorce him or, or something like that. And so I was trying to figure out his relationship, but that makes so much more sense in terms of like who, how he, re, how he's represented in the divorce sort of storyline. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like you said, just his his acting, like you mentioned, is just incredible throughout the whole film. Like you really don't like this guy, <laughs> and he is nefarious on the outside and on yeah. the inside. Mm-hmm. Like you, you never feel like what he's saying is genuine. At least to like, um, uh, what's his name, uh, the father. Mm-hmm. Like you know, he's just sort of saying whatever he needs to do yeah. to get the conversation over with. Yeah, and he's he's so careful with his words and yes. delivery that it, it always feels like he's hiding something or trying to manipulate 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 whoever he's talking to. It's really unnerving <laughs> to watch. He also wears a badass bathrobe and shoe combo. Like, oh, yeah. like, yes, and has the nicest office. How about that office? He has oh. the nicest mm-hmm. office in the history of. Offices. I bet you it's so warm in there. Those house shoes. Those are definitely house shoes for sure. Yeah. Did he live there? Did he live in this weird? Place? I assumed so, but he also so. was leaving. Right, there was that one scene he was driving away with like his security guard. Oh yeah, it was a yeah. grocery so, room. But it looks like a house. So <laughs> who knows? Uh, Dale, I mean, not to not to go right to what punched me in the gut. Um, it was <laughs> it was it was seemingly such a throwaway line, and you know when we're wa- we're watching this 1979 horror movie that's short that short it's mm-hmm. pulled from you know Cronenberg's own um experiences and stuff but it, it but there's a moment where the father i believe is talking to when the elementary school teacher comes over for coffee and and then mm-hmm. they um before he's got to leave he the dad says um it kills me to think i screwed up my kid already oh, and yeah. it's mm-hmm. such it was such a quick line but 
man, if I don't think about that every day of my life with my two kids, <laughs> uh, I can't help but think about their age and what my parenting or what my lack of parenting skills or what my lack of therapy or, mm. you know, whatever I bull crap that I grew up with and put them through mm-hmm. with the decisions I made. Like, this is what he is thinking about with this five-year-old kid. And maybe the kid acts like a cardboard flat Stanley. You know, she's, it's not like <laughs> she's not the best at emoting in a movie, but it, but in real life, I just couldn't help but think about what that, that must be weighing on him because it's not just mm-hmm. messy because these two parents are getting a divorce. It's because one is in a, in a psych ward in this privatized mm-hmm. hospital and she goes to see him from the weekends and p- potentially the kid's getting beat by the mom or, or something's going on and the dad is no complete control over whatsoever. And, uh, it just really like it, it, it gave him such a motivation from, from what I was watching him like external motivation mm-hmm. to try to get this kid to safety in some way and but he doesn't know the whole story yet so he doesn't know if he can blame anybody or or what and mm-hmm. man it's mm-hmm. it, it's it's just like it was a punch in the stomach for me i'm glad you brought that up because I, I i have definitely read reviews where like people react differently like the the main review that comes with the criterion disc is from uh what's her name uh carrie ricky and she recounts how her reaction the first time she saw this when it came out and then watching it recently as a you know, after having like raised children and, and stuff and like a t- it, it almost seemed like a totally different movie to her to the, mm. for the things that stood out this time. As I, my, my note <laughs> just on Dale was, was that uh, not, not the movie I should be watching with my first kid on the way. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about you. Even. <laughs> I was like, Oh no, what have I done? Yeah. <laughs> You got that. Uh, but and, and and on that, um, my the real first note I, I wrote was that I forgot what it's like to watch a Cronenberg for the first time because I've seen almost all of his movies, but I haven't watched The Brood and I haven't watched a, a Cronenberg I hadn't seen probably since college. And there's like this like excitement that I get when I watch a Cronenberg because mm-hmm. you know it's going to be pretty nutty, you know it's going to get weird at some point. Uh, and then this movie just like starts off with that, like uh, like Chuck said, with that really intense therapy. So uh, Catch I Know has seen it, but boom, I, you hadn't seen this yet. And are you, are you a big Cronenberg person at all? And uh, what were your thoughts on that? Yes. The first time you were- so I'm not a big Cronenberg person, only just like due to lack of like exposure, I guess. Like I haven't seen. Yeah a lot of his films uh, a few weeks back i watched the fly i had a lot of fun mm. with mm-hmm. that um i do really enjoy like body horror as a genre um as much as i like absolutely hate it um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because it's just like yeah i don't know it's it's just a lot um but yeah, so I'm kind of new to like the the Cronenberg verse or or whatever. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed this movie. I had a decent time watching it. I actually watched, so I watched it last night, um, and I went back and watched it today because I think mm. I I do this thing sometimes when I'm watching movies where I like I I put a little bit of a mental block up, um, and I did find that the the body of this film is quite dry. For me um mm. 
And then the ending is really exciting and energetic and it excited me. So I wanted to go back and watch it and kind of just be like, what was I missing? Like what was being put down that I like wasn't picking up? And I did realize upon a second viewing that they do um, definitely lay it all out on the table for you. uh, I think so. Like by the time you kind kind of get to the the doctor explaining everything, because I kind of, I was watching it with Sophie and she was just kind of like, I hate when like they just explain everything all at once. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like I wish we could have just <laughs> yeah, I, built up to it. Yeah. hundred percent. Cause I was just like, where was that energy at the end? Like, where was that throughout the film? I still don't mm, think mm. it was there, but I do definitely think that, you know, the bits and pieces to piece it together. Um, um, were there. On that, something that I did appreciate is that the plot of the movie wasn't like what the creatures were like yeah. in that autopsy scene. They're literally just like, yeah, it's like an alien. It doesn't have a belly button. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah. like that's it. And like, like a lot of movies that that becomes the yeah. plot of the movie. Like we have to find out like yeah. what this creature is and where it is, but that's all yeah. they say about it. And then they just keep going. Like it yeah. doesn't become like a, you know, I, 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 I really like that. And that was interesting to me, but I also was like, a, why is this guy? Um, like the the dad. I was like, why is he allowed in this room? Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was, like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how did he get this authorization? Yeah. Also, the delivery of the <laughs> the guy who's doing the autopsy. He was just like, it doesn't have a belly button. Like, just so very. You, just I, very I loved how excited he was for them to notice it didn't have a belly button. Yeah. Like yeah. He was like, uh, do you guys notice anything different about this guy? And that's funny that Boom. Uh, Boom had that reaction, and he, and she watched it twice. Uh, I this is the first time I had seen The Brood as well. And Cron, I you know oh, nice. I'm not I don't seek out Cronenberg. Um, I don't I know, I, you know I have this assumption what Cronenberg was about, and it's disgusting like Videodrome, op, you know openings <laughs> and crevices that shouldn't be on a human body, <laughs> um, that kind of stuff. <laughs> but also with this, I was I was fully enamored because. Like you just brought up that, you know, the uh, the humanoids weren't the focus of the thing. It was just, mm. you know, most of the movie was just this family just living through this yeah. terrible experience. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, you get to see mul- uh, this multifaceted layer of how this this ecosystem around a child works with the, uh, you know, the, the mother-in-law who is, you know, nice to the granddaughter, but she's got her own set of problems that comes out through the plot and she's drinking while the you know the uh, the little girl's yeah. there and she gets murdered which is and no but um <laughs> but then the grandpa comes into town and you know this dad is just trying to keep her the kids safe and it's it's mm-hmm. i i don't know i loved it because it was that movie until it wasn't that you know until this absurd mm-hmm. this absurdity at the end and it, it was such a deeper movie than just a horror flick you know is uh mm-hmm. i i don't know if i would have even assumed um to give Cronenberg the credit, you know, uh, but yeah, it was, it was yeah. wild. It was wild. I haven't seen yeah. a lot of Cronenberg, but I have seen, we watched shivers for bat and spider. And I saw mm-hmm. that movie rabid, um, last year, the year before, and that was before this one. So that's like still in the, in the, uh, Canadian North woods, that movie's filmed, but Marilyn mm-hmm. chambers. So it's, it's a good movie. Uh, but I don't think it had like the, um, I don't know. It wasn't like a thick, gravy like a thick mm. soup like this one was this was had this yeah i think this is like 
this movie is really the first time he sort of like uh, put put all his pieces together, and it was more of a kind of fully formed thought. I think. But I, mm-hmm. I love the way you talked. Like I love that. That's the thing that really struck me in this viewing was the the focus on the like the generational trauma of not just mm, the family yeah. we're focused on, mm-hmm. but of Samantha Egger's parents. And like you learn, you know, like through her mm-hmm. her therapy sessions, what it was like for her as a child. And I love mm-hmm. that it all fed in like the little creatures running around killing people. Like that was the manifestation of that trauma. Like yeah. all this, yep. you know, anything that plasmatics or psychoplasmics, whatever it was, is, <laughs> like, you know, manifesting on these people. It's like, it's, it's their own trauma that's manifesting. I thought that was a really cool idea for a monster uh, as opposed to just, right. you know, 100%. it's just a monster that was made and right. now it's killing people. Like when you kind, when it kind of clues in that, like this is kind of her trauma and her rage and all of that. I was like, fuck yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. awful and <laughs> it's horrific, but it's so clever and it's such an interesting way to kind of like take a look at how trauma manifests. And I think that's something that's happening a lot in horror these days. Um, mm-hmm. Like those tropes and those things yeah. that are coming up now and they're really clever and they're really smart and it's fun. But not so much back then, mm-hmm. and I think that it was yeah. it, it was yeah. I was almost like shocked to see that um, something with that much depth yeah. like happening in a in a film like this. It was cool. Boom! It's funny that you know back th- back in them days, it's almost like a movie like that would be overshadowed by your slashers and your Halloweens, and mm-hmm. um, you know mm-hmm. they're on a different level for different reasons. But something with this kind of depth, um, you know, you really got to hit like the curators who were able to help you see through the, uh, you know, the kind of the swill and the fog. It's all good though. Bad spider. Check us out. (laughs) (laughs) We'll go through that waste for you. Don't worry about it. We've got it covered. Catcher. So I know you were excited about this pick too, because you said this Mm -hmm. was like, this was a very important movie in your, in the catcher, uh, film history love. So so talk about that a little bit and and what your thoughts were when you watched it this time. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is like the, this is one of the three pillars of like films I watched uh, in film class in college. It was this funny games and fat girl. Those were the three movies mm-hmm. that I, I, that I remember vividly from that class that sort of just like blew my mind open. I love this movie. Uh, I just rewatched it. You guys had done shivers for uh bad spider. And that was just like, I immediately was like, I need to watch the brood. It's been too long since I'd seen it. And I made my girlfriend watch it. Um, and yeah, I, I still love this movie for literally all of the reasons that you guys just talked about. Like now that this is like my third or fourth time watching it, a lot of that parental stuff definitely like seeped its way in. I think on, on its surface, you think it's a very sort of, uh, sort of anti-woman sort Mm -hmm. of uh, approach to the storytelling where it's like, she's such a bad uh, of sort of villainous character Mm -hmm. on the surface. But what I love about it is you do get, the worries from both sides, mm. like we've got, like everyone's already talked about, like the inadequacies in the husband and yeah. his inability to sort of like get what needs to get done. Like he himself is dealing with stuff where she's dealing with stuff uh, on her own, obviously much heightened. Um, but that this movie is exactly why I love Cronenberg. The idea of the physicality of life and sort of what your body can be. And it, it can be such an extension of your mind and, and, what that can, what kind of stories you can tell with that. And they become so much more than just like horror, like scary movies because they become psychological because it becomes all about 
you coming to terms with your own body and like how frail it is and how it can turn on you and Mm -hmm. what you do to your like itself internally can sort of manifest. Mm -hmm. Um, And Chuck, you said it perfectly. Like this is all the, the beginnings of like him really honing that, um, that skill. So, I mean, I, I don't have much to say. You guys all saw it so eloquently. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just love it. And I love that it's Canadian yeah. too. Like there's something very Canadian about oh, this yeah. movie. I wanted um, to ask, did you recognize anything? Uh, the Torontoans in the house? Not, they mentioned that like, uh, who is, um, that like someone lives in Halifax. Which yeah. Is like, they yeah. say someone yeah. is coming from Halifax. Right and then now. someone was living in Vancouver, but uh, they were smart in that. Like they didn't want to like overly Canadian. Oh, yeah, I guess uh, that's eyes the film, I think to be able to sell it Do other you know places. So funny. It was like, I was watching the film. I was watching it with David and Sophie. Sophie's like this guy, the lead, the dad. And he's like, he looks funny. Like, <laughs> you know, like what's up with that? I was like, he, he looks distinctly like Canadian. <laughs> and, then we, and, we, and at that point I didn't even realize it was like a full Canadian production and we googled it oh, and wow. like on, on Google it was like Canadian actor I was yeah. like listen Amazing. <laughs> yeah. you can spot him out like a hawk yeah that's right <laughs> uh, uh, I want to talk a little bit about how I really love the idea like, like Dale actually teased at the time you know a lot of slashers Halloween type movies at this time how like the villain is iconic, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Freddie, all these massively famous characters. And I'm sure at the time, like products being sold and movies marketed around them. And I was just kind of laughing, thinking about how, like if some marketing whiz was like looking at this, like, what are we going to sell? <laughs> what toys? Yeah. And if I could like, buy that jumpsuit for my own child, I would buy that for my kid for sure. Puffy jackets. Yeah. The fruit <laughs> jumpsuit. Like the, the puffy jacket jumpsuit. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I was just thought it was so funny when the uh, when uh, the, the the brood kids killed the teacher. Oh, and oh like, gosh. dude! You okay, that well, that part but... is not funny. That part is not funny. <laughs> Immediately <up>. after that, <laughs> when he walks in, he just grabs like that wax paper. Yeah, like that drawing, oh. and just like covers her face. God, yeah. <laughs> it's, like, we gotta, it's like pumpkin seeds or something. Right? Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. Just, I, that was. I was like, I found that so horrific, though. Like, I I was yeah. like, oh. Yeah, let, let's yeah. talk about that scene, Chuck. Yeah, but the well, but the idea of covering her like th- their ju- freshly deadened teacher with teacher, one of their yeah. the drawings from the classroom like that is mm. like just the that image just it's horrifying. Like you never mm-hmm. would expect those two things. You know, like innocent childhood drawings. You know about pumpkin seeds. Like yeah, but those two things like sat next to each other is yeah. is so horrifying. Uh, I think I think a lot of like a uh, friend of the show Slim I think he pointed out he's like he he found it ridiculous that these small creatures could overpower adults yeah. which yeah I don't know I I I, th- I I guess I agree with but I also think like if I saw one of those coming at me I might yeah. I might just be paralyzed yeah. like in fear and yeah. just be like oh my god <laughs> what is happening horrifying. to me yeah, there's faces. Like, well the, she kind of looks like the daughter it's sort of like wait yeah. is that her and by that time you've already yeah. got a ma- like a, a mallet to the face it's already <laughs> yeah. over for and, you and the aftermath of that is just you know every student every five year old staring at their dead teacher for at least 15 seconds it's like the oh, damage yeah. is yeah. done yeah. it's yeah there's no oh, coming yeah. back this damage is spreading like yeah. a wildfire. Yeah. yeah, it's affecting a lot of people now. Do you feel like the kids in this movie, like the actual child actors, were were traumatized yeah. during the making of this film? 
Mm, I don't know. Because <laughs> like yes. you all, Honestly, you yeah. see child actors in like horror films all the time, and you're just like, whatever. I'm sure they found a way to do it. But for, for something like about this particular film, I was like, I feel like they just kind of went for it. I feel like yeah. these kids never slept again. <laughs> well, I was I was watching for that. I was like, okay, where's the camera cut? So that's like, okay, kids, like time scary to leave, right? thing is yeah. happening. Yeah. Scream. And I was like, oh, I think that's that's how they did it. And then it cut, and it's like a high and wide so, shot. Yeah. Of the two kids, like, beating the shit out of the teacher, and all the kids are just in the room. And I was like, oh, no, no, this would not fly now. Yeah, there's no, like, close-up tight shots of a kid who's, you know, really not looking at anything. (laughs) But, uh, you know, yeah, you're seeing a bloodied, even if it's fake blood, you're just like, oh, this teacher's fine, Mm -hmm. kids, don't worry. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The person who played the creature, his name... uh, Felix Sila, he is a actually a little person. He was born in 1937. Oh wow! He's like a gy- I feel like he's like a gymnast or something. I think he said that they got like gymnasts or something from from Toronto area. Yeah, that would make sure. sense. I mean, he his his credits are he's Dink in Spaceballs. He plays an Ewok. He's, he's in Poltergeist. Wow. So I think he's at the time he was probably uh, doing a lot of like stuff. Yeah. work for, for nice. Yeah, that's cool. at least it wasn't a. They, at least they weren't casting a kid to go beat up. That's what I thought. Yeah. 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 It's like beat the crap out of him with a mallet. It's all in good fun. Chuck Dale, what are what other things you want to chat about? Oh, I wanted to. Uh, Dale touched on um, Candy's performance, the the daughter, and mm-hmm. how you know she's cardboard and wooden. And I, I agree, you could read it like that. But I I read in um, I think again in this Carrie Ricky critique, she said she recognized that that stare in in that actor's face as like. Um, the the comatose look of like a child of divorce like mm. Of, mm. you're just she's just shutting down like she's not communicating and you know it's just her her mind you know going into a uh, defensive mode and i thought you know thinking about it that way it's like yeah she you know that's that's what's going on there like she's just and that's and i imagine exp- that's yeah go ahead I was just going to say, she also experiences like a few major traumas like in the early parts of the movie <laughs> oh, like yeah. Yeah. when we first yeah. see her she's been like beaten by her mother um Mm -hmm. and then like a few scenes later she sees like her grandmother dead um Mm -hmm. so i mean i think that makes that would just have a very heavy imprint on a child i'd say (laughs) wouldn't be like hey let's go to like mcdonald's and get a happy meal (laughs) she's like literally just (laughs) never gonna talk again she also like witnesses the brood firsthand i think right i Mm -hmm. think in this and her grandfather's death so she's like well aware that something really demonic that kind of looks like her, mm-hmm. you know, is is going around killing people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that actually, that's a pretty smart read, I think. I mean, she she goes away with them willingly also, like in that teacher scene, right? They like yeah. kind of corner her and she kind of looks oh, around like, well, I guess, uh, <clears throat> I guess it's my time to go. As much as it's kind of like just a destructive like entity that's like, you know, fucking shit up. It's mm-hmm. also for the most part working to protect this little girl as well. You know, mm, like they yes. take her out of the room. It's her sister. Um, yeah. And I feel like maybe, I mean, I, I know that like what we know of her relationship with her mother is that like she's been, been abusive to her, but like, you know, maybe she just kind of feels that presence uh, somehow mm-hmm. and trust, trusts it. Yeah, she was yeah. able to fall asleep in that room full of them, you know? It's yeah. Like, <laughs> like, with them all staring at her. That, that room looks oh. like what the, 
our 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 boys' lake house trip looks like. Bunk bed situation. Yeah, a lot of a lot of top bunks. A lot of uh, everyone grab a corner. <laughs> suits. One person just awake, kind of like more nervous than everyone else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dale, something else you want to call out? The phone call when um, the mm, mm-hmm. the teacher is at. Um, dad's house and she picks up the phone mm-hmm. and the wife is like that's the most uh, lucid that that mom seems to be in the whole movie and then uh, you know yeah. somebody mm-hmm. else picks up the phone that she's not expecting to be there and the way yeah. she just hands it to who it doesn't matter who picked up the phone it's not dad or candy <laughs> that picks up the phone she is channeling I mean through that phone call you could feel tremors mm-hmm. you know brew tremors mm-hmm. like they were deploying as as the the phone call was taking place because <laughs> yeah. it, it how was great was she fire. was samantha eggers in this though like she was incredible she was amazing. like amazing she, i think yeah. i think she yeah. only had three yeah. days of shooting like that's all she did did you know it was her idea to lick the fetus at the end spoilers yeah yes amazing yeah we'll get to it i'm just saying i'm just saying <laughs> awesome that's incredible what an amazing commitment <laughs> good to call character. We might as well go to that. So when when I was watching it, I think like like everyone has kind of said in various ways that it didn't really feel like a grossed out Cronenberg movie. Obviously, there's like a lot of violence. Mm-hmm. And I actually had told Tara, my wife, I was like, oh, you probably like you're not going to want to watch this. Like, don't worry about it. And she was like working out. Good job. And then she just happens. Oh, I'm like, oh, no. this actually isn't too bad. Oh, and then she no. walks in. Oh, no. Yeah. Like, yeah. Literally. Oh, no. <laughs> like, that's it. She's like, what are you? I was like, no. it wasn't like this the whole time. I'm so sorry, Tara. <laughs> yeah. You don't deserve it. Tara, this. send me your hate mail. It's not like a full Cronenberg movie until, like, it absolutely is. But yeah. that, that was, like, as disgusting as it was, mm-hmm. stunning. Yeah. Like, mm. to look at, like, the way I mean, again, the cult knowledge that that Chuck uh, gave us earlier makes sense because, like, the way the bed was and the lighting, like every cult documentary I've watched on Netflix in the last like five years, every cult leader has that in their house somewhere <laughs> yeah. on like the compound, <laughs> and so that makes sense. But when she's sitting there with the robe and like when she's gonna unveil it, at first up. I'm just like, oh, there's gonna be like another brood dude in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nope. just like hey. <laughs> I mean, I guess technically yes, but also like no, that yeah. was crazy. Okay, so when I, I first watched this in college, so that was however many years ago, I won't talk about a it. A thousand. Um, I, I remember <laughs> that being, like, in my mind, it was burned in, like, something from the thing. Mm. <laughs> like, I remember it being really grotesque, like, and much bigger and pronounced. And, like, mm-hmm. I remember it being, like, more creature-like for some oh. reason in my mind. So when I went back to rewatch it, I was like, oh, Okay. It's like it definitely, <laughs> like it definitely was way worse. Like in my mind, somehow that even though as bad as that was, I was just like, "This is more tame. I can watch this now." Catcher's like, I, like, I see stuff like that on the street every week. Yeah, th- whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I've nothing. I've had the yeah, internet yeah. for yeah. a while. <laughs> you can find that no everywhere. That's no problem. It's such a interesting like evolution of this concept. Like you've seen throughout the movie, the sort of physical manifestations that happen through this like uh, psychiatric process. The guy at the beginning sort of gets these welts. They start to appear mm-hmm. sort of like as he goes through the therapy session. So to see mm-hmm. this like birth sack, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know how else you describe that. Like sitting outside of her body, it's just like crazy 
that that's sort of like what came from it. It's amazing. Yeah, I, and I loved what my what it put my mind through when when you when you see it and you like you're putting mm. together. I don't know the right word, but like the gestation track, like you see the one baby like who's like on deck, <laughs> but then there's a big sack that there's a there's a there's a baby in there, yeah. you know. So you're like, oh my yeah. god, like this is there's another one forthcoming already. Like this is a really yeah. interesting situation going on, here. and you have no time to think about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, no. And what I I was like, uh, during getting close to the end scene, I was like, this is a Cronenberg movie, and I'm like, we haven't seen this lady from the waist down yet. She's been <laughs> waist up the entire. I was like, what is about to happen? And then before you even oh, no. you know have a chance to think about it. She's, you know, lifting up her uh, robe and then it's oh, over. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's yeah. like when you when your baby's being born, you know what I mean? It's like this is happening. There's no <laughs> chance to like react. It's just <laughs> happening and your heart's right. racing. And then you see her do the thing she does. I mean, she's uh, she's like an animal, you know, she's like a, a, a lioness at this point when she births this polyp. Mm. She's like biting it, yeah. the fetus to break it open. And it's oh, it gets. God real you know what i mean it gets crazy yeah. Yeah. and i i love the tension because frank has to, he has to keep his cool because yeah. right yes wanna, i was just gonna say that he exactly. doesn't want to anger he's her. gotta make sure she's not freaking yeah. out otherwise trouble i love that i love that like having yeah. to try and keep a normal mm-hmm. face yeah. through that it's reveal like, oh this is oh this is this is that that's fine yeah how about the doctor uh gives gives frank about 10 seconds to like muster the mindset he needs to be in to calm her down when he's like, when he goes up to, to try and oh, get yeah. uh, uh candy yeah. back, he's like, I'll be up there in 30 seconds. I'm like, give him a couple of minutes, give yeah. him like, some time yeah. to, to process what he needs to be doing. Right. <laughs> Giving him no heads up about yeah, the first exactly. second. Yeah. Just nothing. Just good luck with that. He's just like, listen to my voice. I think his only advice was be nice yeah, to be her. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so awful. Oh man. Uh, boom. What were your thoughts on the, uh, the, the birth sack? I guess as we're dubbing it. Yeah. Birth sack. Loved it. Loved yeah. it. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, it was shocking AF. Like I, I gasped. I, I clutched my pearls. That was for sure. Um, like that whole scene, it was just super gross. You're just like, oh my god, you know, you're at, you're you're at like, you know, a million percent. But mm-hmm. one thing I will say is, okay, so the little pep talk that the doctor gives, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, the dad before he gives not a, not in, a great one, but great. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a great one. I, exactly. Like, tell him about the sack. Like, that's what right. the hell. Yeah. But don't be freaked out when you see I spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> I almost wish because the moment when she's getting angry and she realizes mm. that like he's kind of putting on a fr- putting up a front like that was a super powerful moment and you it it you know cuts to all the the like broods or whatever the little monsters mm-hmm. um and they are like awakening that was lit mm-hmm. that was lit oh, yeah. like, that scene was so cool yeah, that was wild. Um, and I wish, I almost wish that he hadn't said it before it happened because I think it would have slapped a little harder. Mm, that's mm-hmm. that's mm. all. That's all I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> we were DMing the five of us and I, I was like, yo, the last 10 minutes are completely unbelievable compared to the rest of the movie. But it, yeah. it works because if it was at that pace the whole time, I think It'd be the too value much. of that reveal would have been lost. Yeah. You know, if they had like teased little pieces of that along the mm-hmm. way, 
Totally. I think they, if they even hinted that they weren't born like regular, like normal, like a normal baby would be born. A hundred percent. You know, I think you would be waiting for that. I was not just expecting that in any way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, which, which I think really hits it well. Um, and then what do we think just about like that last shot? The last shot, they're driving away from safety, mm. zooms in on Candy's arm. And you get those two little pus balls. There. Oh, yeah. Bad well, news bears, right? You know, it's like partly like uh, it's, yeah, it's continuing the generational trauma. Um, mm-hmm. You know, she basically inherited what her mom had, whatever her, her manifestation was. Uh, but it's also a classic horror movie ending. It's, yeah. uh, it's mm-hmm. sort of like restarting the cycle. Um, you know, you get that little zinger of, oh, we thought the monster was dead, but just kidding. Uh, it's not. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. It was just disturbing enough, you know, without any words, just the implication of what you are seeing with those two little, uh, you know, abscesses or whatever. And it's like the one was yeah. like weeping. It was, it was enough. Well, it's just, it's just like at the end of Shiver, um, yeah, Shivers, where it's like you get the sort of like, the car drives out and you sort of get this idea of like what's been going on. Like the world is about to blow up even more, oh, yeah. you know? And it sort of does that same thing where, like you said, Chuck, it just sort of, the story continues. Like there's something that happens after that and the trauma will just keep going through. Yeah. And it's also like, it's super heavy. Like I think I saw someone point out that he, he, the dad almost never looks her in the eye in that last scene because I mean, he just killed her mother. Right. Um, yeah. And you know, and it's just like, oh my god! Like, like all the trauma all around is it's heavy. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's what's kind of interesting about it. It's like it is like uh, Dale, like you said, like you sort of have these expectations of like what Cronenberg means and like what yeah. what you're gonna get. And at the end of the day, it's sort of like the psychological trauma of this movie is much more terrifying mm-hmm. than any of the sort of visual violence that you get throughout most of the film it's like Mm -hmm. oh no i'm left thinking like god this poor girl's gonna have the worst childhood ever am i gonna fuck my kids up that way oh god and And that's all i can think about when i was watching i wasn't even worried about those implications or you know i was watching a horror movie with cronenberg horror movie but since watching it i've just been processing it for 24 hours now it's been wild glad we could provide that for you Dale. I thought I thought we were going to do this, have this out in Bat and Spider, but here we are on Cinenauts. Plot <laughs> <laughs> twist. Yeah, the Venn diagram is yeah. much closer than you ever. It's good to have uh, you three uh, with us as well. You know, help to help process. Yeah. <laughs> Group therapy. Group therapy session. Right. Now, now we right. can start to role play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. No, Daddy, no, no. Dale, Dale, you be me. I'll be you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We just sound like the same people. Oh, I did want to say the last scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did want to point out that the I don't. I think in America, the last the scene of her licking the baby was censored. Um, huh. And it, and the way they the way they I think they cropped the image or something, and the way it came out is everyone thought she was eating her baby. Which, yeah, which totally like changes mm. like the implication of it, uh, and Cronenberg was really angry about that. <laughs> which is also like gnarlier than licking mm. it. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like when you're putting together like. But it totally defeats seeing. like her whole role as a mother, like you know, licking yeah. it like it's right. a puppy. You know, mm. right, right. Uh, was there anything else anyone talk about before we get to our uh, little categories here? Mm-mm. Great movie. All right, so let's go to our Criterion moment. So our Criterion moment is uh, we all just choose a moment or scene or sequence that we think uh, justifies or is the reason why the Criterion 
uh, added it to the collection. Let's uh, let's start with catcher. That's not fair. Uh, I feel bad for everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, for sure, one hundred percent for me is the classroom murder mm. sequence. Like mm. that scene is incredible. The colors in that room are so vibrant. Mm. It it hundred percent feels like a like a room in a school that I went to. So it sort of like resonates a bit that way. It really um, did actually. Right, it's, like it, it felt got, like, like kindergarten. The, mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like they, it is definitely like the internal architecture of like most Ontario schools. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of cool. But like just the way these things come into the classroom, like up until this point, they have been like hidden. You don't really see them. Mm-hmm. They've got sort of the Jaws thing going on where it's like they don't give you much visually of like what you're dealing I with. I literally wrote use Jaws editing. <laughs> I, that was in my notes. Use Jaws editing. Yeah. Um, yeah, but then it's like it comes full like full force into school and it's just like it really talks about like how trauma can sort of like affect every aspect of your life and start mm. even reaching out to other people mm. you know mm-hmm. um and it's just on full display and they're just so horrific and that woman deserves none of mm-hmm. that uh-huh. uh violence but it's you know it's the power of an angry mom you know mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't mm-hmm. screw with me or my kids. I loved mm-hmm. that preschool teacher too. I loved her haircut and her style. And I was like rooting for her and Frank to get together. Like I wanted that to work out, but yeah, mm-hmm. it wasn't meant to be. Yeah. Not in this lifetime. <laughs> yeah, no, did not, not in out. this movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Chuck, what about you? Uh, I tried to pick one that hopefully no one else picked. Um, but it was a scene that stood out for me and it was one, I have a terrible memory for movies, but this is one that I remember. Uh, from my previous feelings of this. And it's when Frank is sort of, it's sort of the B plot where he's, he's trying to like sue uh, Raglan and he's, he's meeting with okay. uh, former patients. Mm-hmm. So he goes to this, yeah. like, I don't know if it's like a hospital or uh, some sort of ward. And he meets this guy mm-hmm. named Jan, Jan Hartog, who is just Great this name. weirdo <laughs> doing uh, like strange exercises on the floor and mumbling to himself. <laughs> and he's got a towel wrapped around his yeah. neck. Um, Getting swole. Getting swole. (laughs) And he's like, and he does impart like, like very important information, um, sort of about what's happening at, 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 uh, Soma Free. Um, but it's also, I love that scene because he is so, like, you just don't trust this guy. Like, I didn't trust anything coming out of his mouth. And I was like, yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. I came out of it not feeling like any, like any better about, Soma Free being evil or good. <laughs> yeah. Um, because he was, because he was like this kooky guy, but he, I mean, he obviously went through real life trauma and that's, that's like a very real life thing. You know, people with mm-hmm. mental illness just get shoved aside and told they're being silly. Um, so I, yeah, that scene for me always stuck out for me. I love that character actor and, and uh, yeah, I could watch that over and over again. I'll go. My criteria moment is at the end when Frank is like trying to keep Nola chill and he fails and then she gets pissed and the little munchkins, um, the little evil <laughs> dudes wake up. Oh, it was yeah. powerful for me. It saved, I think it saved my like experience with that film because it was really mm-hmm. awesome and it all kind of came together for me in that moment. Um. So yeah, that was mm. mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I, yeah, we we touched on it earlier, um, but I just think that for you know a horror movie, a low budget horror movie for 1979, just the way it sticks out from the mm-hmm. pack, but not something that's necessarily um, commercialized or commercially known well. I mean, everybody, a lot of people know Cronenberg, but. You know, The Brood is just mm-hmm. one of his first three movies that he threw together and, and was able to write and direct. And, um, you know, he got like Canadian Film Commission money to, to help make them. And it just the message that it that it forms and the the overwhelming sense of everything but the horror is just uh, it deserves to be preserved, I think. Because it's a mm-hmm. it's a look into um, you know families family and and mental health for sure. Right, and then my pick uh, is just that reveal of the when she lifts up that dress oh, is just completely shocking and like beautiful at the same time. Like especially as we keep talking about poor movies at that time, like a lot of films, if, if that shot was written in for like a lot of films at the time, they would just go for pure shot yeah. value. Mm. But the shot is just so cool. And her dress and everything about it is just like so perfect uh, that, I mean, that's like, I think like catcher that, that will probably stick in my mind for a, a little bit because yeah. it was just, so it's almost like she's got like angel wings as well. Yeah. Or something, yeah. You know, like uh, oh, that yeah. light coming from down, like, he never like the film does a really great job of like never really villainize like truthfully like villainize villainizing yeah. her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that's so cool. Yeah, and like he doesn't really do much fancy like light work or like there's no like cinematography throughout the movie where you're expecting that sort of thing to happen, and then it's like all saved for the mm-hmm. very end. He uses this like very picturesque shot uh, for it. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Um. All right, so now our satellite picks, where we choose another piece of content to match up with uh, the brood. Um, we can go in reverse order, but I cannot go first if someone else wants to go first. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my pairing for this film, um, it's another film. It's called The Babadook. Oh God damn it! I knew it. I knew <laughs> you were saying things, and I, in my head, I was like, "Someone else is gonna say Babadook." Uh, and when I thought about the Babadook, I was like, "Man, I'm so smart. This is uh, like, this is such a good." Thing. But the more people were talking about it in the episode, I was like, "Someone's gonna say." It. I know. <laughs> but yeah, you go are on, you are so smart, Ian, because hey, I'm so you. smart, and this right. is yes, brilliant pairing. Okay. Yeah. And this is the first time in a while watching a film. And I was like, while watching it, I was like, I have a pairing. Like, it kind of clicked. But yeah, it's uh, directed by Jennifer Kent. So shout outs Mm -hmm. to women doing horror. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it has like a lot of parallels to The Brood. Um, You know, it's about a mother and son being haunted by this like vile presence. Finding like after they find this children's book. Um, this like sketchy children's book anyways. Um, and it also (laughs) kind of builds itself on like the trauma, um, also challenges of parenthood. It's one of my favorite Mm -hmm. horror films. Um, yep. So yeah, snatched right up from under you, Ian. Ian thinking he should (laughs) have went first now. 
I know. Yeah, well, exactly. I, I I gave it up. I sent someone's going to do it. Sure. So I was like, I'm going to give it up. <laughs> Good producing, Ian. Well done. Yeah. Uh, all right, Chuck, what about you? Oh, okay. I'm, again, my satellite pick is a movie that we watched on Bat and Spider. Um, nice. For, I think, our second episode, Dale, I picked Tetsuo the Iron Man oh. from mm-hmm. 1989. It's a Japanese cyberpunk movie shot in black and white and... I guarantee if you've never seen it, it's unlike anything you've probably ever seen. Um, the closest thing is like watching like a nineties, like, like maybe like a nine inch nails video or something. Um, yeah. it, it is, it's about people who sort of get infected by metal, <laughs> uh, things and metal just starts growing out of their bodies. Uh, and it's, I I can't explain it, you know. Yeah, I just can't. But it, it, it's it's I I think you should watch. It. It's only sixty seven minutes, which I love short movies. That's so. my blessing. That's uh, that's the time, yeah. the length I love. Yeah, sixty seven minutes. I can get behind that, especially because this is an intense watch. Like it's like yeah, you, it's an assault. It's a full. It's an oral and uh, an uh, a visual assault on your brain. So nice. It, it's good that it's short. Yeah. 68 minutes would be too long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. But yeah, Tetsu of the Iron Man. Check that out. Catcher. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit unconventional. I did uh, rewatch Dead Ringer because I figured I'd do like another Cronenberg movie and I hadn't seen that yet. And then on my way home, I turned the key into my apartment and I came up with a much better idea. So my, my criterion pairing is going to be Marriage Story. Mm, nice. Uh, Good I think it, it's. It's like everything. It's the it's like the sort of counterpoint to this movie where it literally deals with what it would be like to, uh, like what the the situation through divorce. Well, what happens to both sides, mm-hmm. um, and what that can feel like, and what that can do. Um, and I think in a weird way, sort of like the lawyers in that movie work mm-hmm. in a similar way that um, mm-hmm. Rendall works, and that he's sort of like wedging himself in between them. Um, so that sort of dynamic, I think, is sort of quite similar. So yeah, Marriage Story. Nice. nice. I love that movie. Hmm. That's yeah. also in the Criterion Collection. Oh, so, look that, at that. That, that, is, that has been on my short list. Yeah, that has been on my short list to discuss for a while. Wow. Uh, Sweet. I was I, not a fan of that movie, so we should definitely do oh. it. <laughs> so we definitely yep. should do it then. Okay. Yeah, that's Perfect. 100% a do. Yep. Dale, what about you? I am going to go with... Uh, uh, and also from a movie from 1989, Chuck, my love. Um, oh. It is... <laughs> It is the opposite of, you know, exploring marriage and relationships, but it's more body horror and exploring um, the physical representation of something that normally isn't. Uh, and that's 1989 Society, directed by Brian Yuzna, oh. who did a lot of producing. He produced Reanimator, Bride of Reanimator, From Beyond. Um, but it's about, you know, posh Beverly Hills uh richies richers and um and you know it's like the stereotype where maybe they're all from you know another planet because they operate on another level Mm -hmm. and they could never be down with us you know blue collar types but you know a teen who starts to suspect that his parents are uh, of a different um taste or label and uh maybe they are because maybe they're not a human and maybe the rest of their them and their society get together every once in a while and sort of uh, get into the most probably gruesome body horror that I've ever seen in my lifetime. And uh, 
you know they they sort of couple and shunt together as one big mass in in a sort of weird slimy orgy in somebody's living room and is i mean you gotta have like boom i want to read your letterbox review because you know just reading your letterbox review on the brood uh was enough to <laughs> make me wonder what you would think about that but yeah it's you you gotta have an iron stomach for such a thing but it explores things that you know uh, are on another level that are just represented uh, physically, whereas typically they're not. They're just like, you know, you, th- you think about like the comic or the show run of ways where these teens have these parents who are, end up being, being in an evil cult together. Um, but it, this takes it one step beyond that. And they're just like disgusting. Uh, it's disgusting, but also kind of a, <laughs> mu- so kind of a must see. <laughs> So boom, we're, we'll all look forward to your review on that. Yeah, Gosh, on, Society, it. Right? on it. So, so my my pick, uh, I, I did have another one as I was watching is actually is Black Swan, uh, Darren Aronofsky's Ooh. film with uh, Natalie Portman and uh, Mila Kunis. Uh, I love that movie. I haven't seen it in a while, but as far as I know, I absolutely love that movie. Um, very similar about how it, it takes body horror in terms of like manifesting stress and emotional struggles in a person in this case Natalie Portman as like the premier dancer in the New York ballet um yeah so that 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 was just another thing I thought Mm. sort of meshed very well with uh the brood Aronofsky is the king of like not body horror in the same way but if you watch his movies his obsession with physicality Mm -hmm. and the body is Mm -hmm. incredible like his focus on the way your body sounds like even watching the wrestler mm. or, or watching uh, mother there's such, he has such a thing about like the body being so physical. Mm-hmm. Um, what else sort did, of like, what else did Aronofsky direct catcher? Uh, let me list them all. Hold oh, on. Uh, pie. I'm just waiting for you to say tree of life. <laughs> yeah, tree of life. Right. Yeah. No, the fountain. Yeah. Or the fountain. The fountain. I'm a fountain. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Uh, I thought that was like life. an intentional diggy. <laughs> it was. It was an intentional one, but he didn't go to it right away. I thought he was going to say. <laughs> I was just going to go chronologically. Uh, no, yeah. So I just I think like he's he does that very well in all of his films. Nice. The Fountain, especially everyone's talking about. <laughs> Great discussion, everyone. Uh, we, that was awesome. Thanks, guys. Yeah, it was a ton of fun. Uh, we yeah. got one uh, Instagram DM that we're going to read, and we got one voicemail from our friend Proto Lexus. Uh, let's see. So our, our friend of the show, Steph wrote in, Hey, not sure who runs the Synonauts Insta, but I've wanted to reach out to you. I've really enjoyed it so far. I binged it actually love the chemistry you all have and hear this feeding your soul. Ugh, that sounds creepy, weird on eroticism, but I hope you know what I mean. Also nice job on the art for each episode. Can see the heart you yeah. put into it. I agree. Love, Thanks, Steph. love the artwork. Thank you, Steph. And I didn't say if you want to shoot us an email, uh, you can go to synonautspod at gmail.com or at synonauts on Instagram. Uh, we got, I, I might have asked for this voicemail. I did literally yep. ask for this voicemail because I know Proto Lexus. <laughs> oh boy. Can we skip this? Oh yeah. He gave us a two banger. One star. Oh, I a one or two one star, star banger. Yeah. So I, I actually said Proto, we're going to need a voicemail. So here it is. It's here. I gave the brood one star. <laughs> But rather than talk about why I did that, I would rather talk about what I love about David Cronenberg. 
First, Aww. he has a very distinct and compelling brand of filmmaking. I always enjoy when a director's style sets them apart and you can immediately recognize their work. Cronenberg has that in spades. Agreed. I think we can all agree. <laughs> okay. okay. Second, his consistency of themes and ideas across his films are ambitious mm-hmm. and radical. He delves into the psychological and familial quandaries better than most, and his stories have a way of staying in your mind long after they're over. For me, it is Dead Ringers, which has so much depth and unpacking that can be done for a film. And finally, even if I don't rate his movies highly, they are always Mm -hmm. compelling and memorable, and stay with me long after they are over. So, yes, I didn't love The Brood, but I am glad I watched it and plan on watching all of his wow. movies. <laughs> so help me God. Thanks, Synonauts, and thank you, Bat and Spider. Thank you. Love you guys. Thanks, oh, that was nice. Yeah. Of, uh, 70 millimeter podcast. Um, if you listen to the show, you've heard of 70 millimeter. I'm like willing to bet because you either. <laughs> <laughs> you either heard about us from 70 millimeter or you've heard us talk about it probably every episode. Uh, I do want to note the difference in voicemails from Proto and the emails we received from Slim. I'm not going to, I'll let the listeners put those two and two together, but <laughs> one uh, 70 millimeter meter host tried pinning uh, Chuck and I against each other. Yeah. And uh, the other one horrifying left a very sickening, lovely, lovely voicemail. It's gross. Uh, well, <laughs> this is the uh, end of our episode. So, we have a fun little announcement to make. Uh, next month are the Academy Awards. And so here at Synonauts, we're going to be... Is it cheating? I don't mm-hmm. think it's cheating. Maybe Bat and Spider can say if this is cheating or not. I don't think it is. Uh, but the uh, Criterion Collection has already uh, announced that they're going to be adding three films that are Academy Award nominated into the collection next year. Oh, So uh, next month, we're going to discuss in order... We're going to do it now just so people can get a head start to watching them. Uh, we're going to go One Night in Miami, followed by Sound of Metal, followed by Time. Uh, to discuss those one week after the next, they're all coming out to Criterion in 2022. Yeah. Uh, and we said, you know what? They're all nominated. Let's just talk about them right now. Th- does that sound fair? Totally Dale, fair. Chuck? Completely yeah. fair. Perfect. Yeah. Green light. Completely fair. Yeah. Well, we, got, we got the bad and spider sign off. Yeah. We'll send you checks for that endorsement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you. <laughs> but yeah, so One Night Miami, Sentimental, Time, Bad and Spider Boys, thank you for hanging out with us, Chuck, two yeah. weeks in a row. Any, any final words until we, we have you visiting again? Um, no, I'm, uh, I'm sad to be retiring as my uh, two, two episode stint as the, uh, the fourth <laughs> Beastie Boy or whatever I am. Um, yeah no it's been a pleasure it's been a, it's been a pleasure uh, I'm so happy to be here and thanks for letting me play Cronenberg Historian for a night Bell- yes yeah. wonderfully done nailed it Hail. nailed it yeah Mr. Underscore yeah thank you so much for the opportunity to be on I love the show and uh, to hear you guys talk about all these different movies that I don't even make time for it's it's uh, it's awesome to hear and Mostly, I listen, and I'll never watch the movies anyway. But I love you guys for it, and uh, that's not to knock. That's not to knock the show. I just don't make time for the you know other movies. But uh, it's I like love the you guys. Yeah. Of, of Bat and Spider. It's really yeah. flattering that you guys yeah. had me and us on. So thank you. Perfect. Yay. Thanks right, for well, coming. Yeah, this is yeah, great. Thank you guys for coming. Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, Thanks everybody. Catch a boom. I will see you next week. 
See you next week Adios. in Ciao. Miami.